Welcome everybody to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Friday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer experience. So grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. And as always, I have the young MC post <laughs> with me to co-host and keep me keep me honest and keep me real. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Brian. I like that. I, I wasn't sure where you were going to go with it. I'm like, young. Okay, I'll take it. MC, I'll take that as well. It sounded cool. Thank you for the intro. Excited yeah, for I, today's episode. I kind of like the young MC post. I, I know. I, I yeah. caught it. I yeah, caught it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just well played. Make sure. Just well played, make sure. sir. <laughs> All right, we have we have two guests today from Greenlist. We have Jess Owens and Zach Whitaker. How are you both doing? Great. Good. How are you, Brian? Awesome. Awesome. So I'd like to just get a little background to kind of start everybody off, and, and maybe Jess, you can start, and Zach, you can give a little bit of your background as well. But you know, Jess, tell us a little bit about you and where you came from, what your roots are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in Austin, Texas, and went to school at Wake Forest in North Carolina, and then found my way out to D.C., started working in law firms as a legal assistant, and then moved into a more creative space and legal recruiting. Um, took a break to start a family, and then got back to work, really missed the working environment, and I worked for a small consulting firm. And a big part of my job there was to, I was constantly working with entrepreneurs. And we did things ranging from helping people create their brand, name their business, really launch, up to helping people launch um, franchises like Cycle Bar and all sorts of different companies. So this really allowed me to work with different people at different stages of their business and learn what entrepreneurship was all about. Um, so I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, knew I would do it someday, just didn't quite know what the right thing was. Right. Awesome. How about you, Zach? Sure. My, uh, my background most recently, I have sort of about a 10 year career so far in kind of like e-commerce, mostly in operations, always kind of passionate about sustainability. I was on the sustainability committee. Uh, at Bonobos, my former employer. And then one day I'm just uh, kind of scrolling through LinkedIn, right? The infinite scroll. And then I, <laughs> I saw a story on returns and um, Jess was tagged in the comments. And, you know, as somebody who's like working on helping solve this problem, right? Uh, E-commerce returns as Ryder's recent uh, acquisition.com contact of mine there said, it's the armpit of running a 3PL. Um, and so I certainly saw that when I was at Bonobos. And so I reached out to Jess and saw this sort of intersection of returns and sustainability and knew I had to get involved. And so here we are. Awesome. Awesome. So, so Jess, if we could take a step back, because I, I'm, I'm always fascinated by by how people like you know your background is not returns and sustainability and things like that and like so you know as you're going through a process I don't even know and we've we've spoken to other guests that we've had on the program who've who've said they weren't even really like setting out to to found a business and all of a sudden they kind of discovered something like what was sort of the process there were you out there searching for like doing market gap analysis 
or is this just something you kind of like stumbled across? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I was actually shopping online at the end of 2019 and I put a jacket in my shopping cart and I was totally obsessed with this jacket, had to have it, but it actually sold out while it was in my, in my cart. <laughs> oh, womp womp. I know. I hate that. I hate that. It happens to yep. everyone at least once. Um, so I reached out to the company and I said, can you connect me to a return of this jacket? because up to 40% of those jackets would get sent back. They couldn't do this. Um, no company does this, which I thought was a little crazy. So I quit my job and set out to solve my own problem. Built a small team of advisors who were mostly dads from the bus stop. Um, really, okay. <laughs> everybody I knew uh, got involved. I would see somebody walking towards me and say, what do you do? How can you help? And, you know, pull them in. Somewhere. Right. Um, what was so so can I ask like what was the what's the first step so you recognize that there's something that's not being addressed in the market and is is your first step to go find money to help build this is this something you're sort of bootstrapping with some of your own and you're and you're hiring programming or marketing or or, or some other sort of analyst to help you kind of take those those steps so the first thing I did was a ton of research, right? A lot of reading about the industry, um, learned how pollutive it is and just how difficult logistics are. Um, I also did over a hundred user surveys to really see if this is something that would even resonate with consumers. Um, so really a lot of just digging in to the topic and Ashley, who's a third member of our team is technical. And so she started doing research as to how we would even work this out from a technical perspective. Mm -hmm. So that was really helpful. Um, and then just really digging in with people in the industry and, you know, people who worked in tech, really anybody who would talk to me, um, I took a meeting with. So doing a lot of research and learning from others. So then you, you, you build that foundation. And so what's your, I mean, what's your kind of like shovel into the ground kind of moment? What's that first moment where you're like, okay, I, I think we're ready to get this going? Um, well, one of the first things we did was create a manual version of our product. So okay. that was using surveys and spreadsheets. And we figured out how we could develop the product without building the technology. And okay. I read a ton of books about, you know, what's the best way to build tech and get it out into the world without spending a lot of time and money. Okay. Um, so that was really important. I then joined a female entrepreneurship group and it was very fashion focused or it is. And so I reached out to many, many women in the industry and a handful of them actually owned small retail companies. And so I was able to partner with them very early on and, you know, get a lot of experience that way. So it sounds like networking and really just tapping into resources is such a huge start to your, to your business, which I love. And props to LinkedIn for actually connecting people and not just showing puppy videos and shouting out people's kids, like to see you guys get connected in that way. I love that. Jess, I, I love the story of, you know, you get this, you see this jacket, 
Um, I know it's happened to me before. I'm very curious to understand how the uh, brand that you reached out to reacted when you asked for this uh, to be linked up with the return, right? I would think that they would be kind of salivating. Like, I think in our space, we deal with so many merchants who struggle with this issue of returns, but to have a return come back and already have it sold, you would think that they would be kind of, you know, rubbing their hands together, trying to figure this out or a light bulb goes off. So how was that? How was that met on the, I, you don't have to disclose the name of the of the brand, but I'm just more curious to understand how that conversation went. Well, it's funny because as I reached out to them, you know, the idea was really forming in my head. And right. so I, it was a very quick conversation. I basically said, you know, can you do this? They said no. And I kind of dug in a little bit more. And then I wanted to get off the phone immediately because I was like, oh no, I don't want them to steal the idea or do it themselves. Right. Um, it was a quick conversation. Um, yeah, uh, the, the aha moment where you're rushing them off to start doing that research and just get in, right? Like, this is the opportunity. This is where I'm going to make my name as an entrepreneur, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, love yeah. that. And did you need those first brands, though, before? I mean, obviously, you have to start to bring in new brands or, or brands at all to get yourself going, get the kind of proof of concept out there to market. Was it, was it difficult to find brands to launch with? Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, and the small companies are all female founded sustainable brands. And so our missions are very aligned and those were easier to get on board. Um, it took almost a year to find our first big company to join us. And that was very hard, right? As yeah. you mentioned, I don't have a retail background and so I was knocking on a lot of closed doors for a very long time. And we actually did not build the technology until we got a signed contract from them because I didn't want to take the leap and then try and sell it after, right? It was really important to me to get that first big yes. For sure. And then when you get that first big yes, now you actually have to perform, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And get that out there. Is Does there come a point in time, though, that... Or I guess I'm, I, the question really is, at what point in time does it become a little bit more difficult to continue without starting to get funding, like and to continue to scale? Is there, is there a tipping point that you kind of hit? Um, I did hit a tipping point. I realized, you know, I need, I invested a good amount, my husband and I, and, you know, building technology is incredibly expensive, as you would imagine. Mm -hmm. um, so we ended up doing a small friends and family raise about a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, and, but I did quickly learn that this was before I had the signed contract and we really just needed more traction. Right. Yep. <clears throat> so I paused, went all in on sales, got the yes, and then immediately started our fundraise again. And we had much more success after we had that first client on board. Right, right. Yeah, I, I would have to imagine that any investor is really going to look for that sort of proof of concept, make sure everything is 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 what it's said to be uh, before you get there, uh, before you start to get that 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 real round of funding. And so, as you've continued to grow over the last year and a half or so, uh, you know, I'm sure there's been other avenues you're going out and, and looking into the market for more investors. How, how have you found the climate now? It's been very challenging. You know, we were fortunate that we had a very successful, what I call friends, family, angels round. Um, mm -hmm. 
we also won an innovation grant from the state of Virginia. So that those that was phenomenal. Um, but we have met with over 100 small VCs and a lot of angel groups, and we've gotten a lot of no's. You know, um, women get less than 2% of funding, and we have found that to be very true. Um, another challenge with our business is that, you know, our target demographic are younger women primarily. And a lot of people that we're pitching don't fit in that target demographic at all. Yep. Um, so it's a lot harder to get through to them and really explain the value of the concept. Are there groups out there, VC or, or private equity, that focus on women-founded businesses? There are. And there okay. are groups that are focused on sustainable solutions. So there's a lot, um, you know, that are targeted towards companies like ours. But mm -hmm. what we have learned is that early stage isn't actually so early, right? Um, and, you know, it's just gotten a lot harder to raise money. And so it's been challenging for us. It's yeah. been hard. And do you, do you think that's because of the perceived economic headwinds? Or do you think that's just in general, there's just more... There's more startup companies out there competing for that money. I think it's a little of both, honestly. Um, and in meeting other founders, everyone's struggling to raise money, right? So it's it's something that you know we can all relate to, and people are just seem to be making less investments in early stage businesses. Um, so and it's tough, you know. Right. No, for sure. And and look, it's it's. I think there's always going to be ebbs and flows and we we probably came off of and, and and the investors have probably come off of a period of of absolute giddiness where they were throwing monies or money around like it was uh, the roaring 20s and now there there might be a little bit of like okay let's let's digest a little bit um but man I I really you know and and Caitlin and I run into it all the time I think with the with the brands and the people and the services that we speak to there's still a lot of untapped new businesses out there that are coming up with a, a lot of really great innovative ideas. Um, so to just be interesting, you know, it's probably a little bit of a storm right now that everybody has to weather, but I, I think it, you know, hopefully if, if all indications are right, this will be a shallow recession and we should be out, you know, sometime mid-year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, because I'm excited to see the next round of innovators in, in the marketplace. So you have combined two passions, I think, for a lot of people at Greenlist with returns and sustainability. Um, it's an interesting concept um, that that you're that you're sort of proposing as your as your business prop here, and, and maybe just tell tell everybody a little bit about what that is. Absolutely. So right now, when you make a return of something you've bought online, it goes back to a store, a warehouse, or a landfill. Um, up to 50% of returns go straight to a landfill, right? So it's a complicated mess. Um, with Greenlist, that return instead goes directly to another consumer. So we are cutting out the middle steps altogether and taking a peer-to-peer -peer approach to returns. So it's an interesting concept. Um, and obviously the, the, the sustainability part is that it's less transportation, it's less going to landfills, there's a lot more to that. Um, tell me a little bit how you're, you know, assuring peer-to-peer -peer that the quality of the returns that you're getting as the second, the second recipient 
is, is really the, the quality that you would expect coming straight from a facility, DC or whatever? So during our returns process, when someone is actually making the return in the system, they have to qualify that it's new with tags and perfect condition, right? So we're asking that first person, what does is, what is your return look like? Um, if there's anything wrong with it, if it's damaged um, or worn, it goes back to the warehouse as it typically would. Um, so that first person has said, this is good to go. We then, in the next step, ask them to fold it carefully, put it in the mail within three days, and we'll give them 10% off their next purchase. So really mm -hmm. incentivizing people to be good members of our community. Um, and then off it goes, right? And so far, knock on wood, We've been really lucky. All the shoppers have done a good job about passing it on to the next person. And, you know, a big part of that is because peer-to-peer -peer shopping is huge, right? Everyone right. in our target demographic does it all the time. And so they're used to shipping their things off to other people. Um, so we're just tapping into that model that exists and is growing. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Just like, I don't know, changing consumer behavior. And I think it holds true in every facet of retail and D2C, right? Like we've had returns folks on the program before. And Brian speaks about back when returns were, they didn't want you to return. They wanted you to, it to be as hard as a process as possible. And then we fast forward, you know, different platforms where now they're just making returns frictionless. And now people are bracketing and bracketing is just the practice of buying multiple sizes of the same product. So now you're encouraging that overbuying and then returning. So like to hit the Gen Zs who are using, you know, ThreadUp, they're using uh, whatever other marketplaces that there are, Poshmark, Depop, um, yeah, this is just in their nature. They they see it. They see the value of the sustainability. Um, so I would think that they would they would buy into the concept pretty willingly. Well, Caitlin, there, there's that word again, by the way, community. Right. Always. Yeah. Always. So right. so Jess and Zach, we've been talking about this a lot. Like one of the reoccurring themes is for a lot of brands, is community. They're building a community. That's how they they really. The ones that excel at, uh, at customer retention and repeat buying have built a community around it. You know, I think in order for your your product here to work, you have to build a community of of people that there's a lot of trust, right? Now, are you do you track so if someone receives a peer to peer product and it comes in and it's it's not well cared for, it wasn't folded. Is there is there a methodology to, at this time to track the the you know the, sort of the, the bad actors in in that process? We are able to do that. Yeah, we are we have because we haven't had a problem yet. We haven't really started, but we know where every package is coming from. Um, so we we could do that. That's that. See, I I think to me that's you know it it, it encourages good behavior because no one wants to be the one who's who's done something and, and, and not played nicely with others. Um, and it just, again, it builds that like, hey, uh, you know, I've, I'm gonna do the right thing and everybody's kind of paying, it's almost like a pay it forward concept. Let's all do the right thing. So when I get my peer to peer product that I just ordered um, and I'm getting it from a peer, that it's, that it's gonna come in nicely and well represented of, of the brand. And, and honestly, the peer that sent it to me, they're well represented too if they do the right thing. Right, exactly. And if there's a layer of uh, 
some incentive in there. I think that's helpful as well, right? Like if you get some type of discount or, you know, I mean, you're sending it back anyway. And as the person who would get that return, whether it went to the warehouse or it came straight to you, like, let's just reduce the carbon footprint, just send it directly to that next person. Are you incentivizing or are the retailers responsible that you're working with for making it appealing to the, the folks that you're targeting? The retailers are giving the discount on the next purchase. Okay, nice. Yeah, so that's... I, I, I that honestly helps. don't care where the discount comes from as long as I'm getting a discount somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful. Then you buy more stuff and return that as well. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's, it makes so much sense because the, the the cost of returning the product just in terms of the, 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 the shipping costs, the refurbishing costs and the restocking costs at the warehouse, I, I, I mean, the discount makes sense. I think it goes back to your about the community, right? Because then there's brands like, I know recently, I think at the end of last year, Zara stopped um, giving out free returns. And now you're making people think twice about what they're ordering, but maybe I want to order those two sizes. And if I can help someone else out and they really wanted that jacket, I tried on, I kept the one I wanted to. So I think it's just a different approach, but if there's some something like what's in it for me, unfortunately, I think a lot of people go into a mindset, then maybe that shifts the consumer behavior and kind of leans it towards this this type of model. Yeah, and returns are getting a lot of negative publicity. So it's really highlighting the problem for consumers and a lot of people had no idea, right? So people are coming, becoming more conscious about it and wanting to do something different, right? Like I can't make returns anymore, right? I just hold on to them, give them to somebody else. Um, because it just, I know how damaging they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so just shifting gears back towards, you know, your, your business and, 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 and launching and things like that, you know, you, you're now out there, you've got a couple of brands, you're, 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 uh, you know, in fundraising mode too, but like, how are you, how are you marketing yourself? How are you getting out there in front of the retail brands in front of, uh, to, to really get the message out there of what your offering is? What's what's sort of your approach there? Um, we have attended um, events. We have done digital marketing for some time and we are constantly networking. So just really meeting new people every week and you know asking directly for their contacts and that's been really effective in setting up new meetings. We've been fortunate, we've been able to get in front of many, many companies, a lot of the largest retailers in the world. So it's been, you know, just really relying on the people around us and, you know, putting it out there in other ways. Yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, look, when you're, when you're building from the ground up and you're really building from scratch, you know, it's, it, it, it takes the efforts to land the first few, be successful with those first few and continue to build off of them. And I, you know, word of mouth is obviously uh, really crucial in that, in that space as well. Yeah. We also last year did a program called New York fashion tech lab last spring and summer. And that is a program that, you know, major companies like Macy's Calvin Klein, Kate Spade participate and they pick five founders every year of people working on innovative solutions. And we spent, we are one of those companies and we spent three months with these very big organizations going through our product, learning about what we would need to do to be enterprise ready. And that was a phenomenal opportunity to, you know, develop deep contacts within those groups. And 
we're still talking to a couple of them. So that was a fantastic sales opportunity for us. And it allowed us to really get in front of a lot more people. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and so what is the target consumer for this? Is, is there a demographic uh, that, you're, that, that really fits to this model? Um, millennial and Gen Z groups, and then also people who are outdoorsy and, you know, sustainable in nature and um, want to do something different, right? So we're really targeting companies that work with those consumers. Um, and re- I think really the younger folks are the ones driving sustainability initiatives. So, but then yeah. that said, a couple of the companies we've talked to want to appeal to those younger shoppers, right? So they could almost use this as an acquisition tool. And that's what our, our current company that we're working with is doing as well. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, not that, not that us old folk aren't into sustainability, but I do think it really resonates a lot with the, the, the younger millennials and the Gen Z's especially. Yeah. Um, so obviously you want to target brands that, that are targeting that, that demographic. Uh, is there a particular vertical that works best with a product? Is it is it fashion? Is it uh, apparel? Is it health and beauty? Like what what's really sort of your your key vertical there? We have been very focused on apparel. Um, we also have a pilot running in the Bay Area with furniture because we've been approached by a couple furniture companies. Um, you know, as you can imagine, returning a piece of furniture is tremendously expensive. And a lot of companies say, just keep it, right? So that is one area that we're really starting to explore and build our model to see how it works with furniture as well. But I've heard light fixtures, sports equipment, fishing gear, just everything under the sun. Oh, you should do this with this category and this category. Um, uh, so there's really a lot of opportunity in the different you know, categories that we could handle. Right, right, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess apparel makes sense because it's the easiest to ship, right? I, I was surprised to hear you say furniture as a second, but it makes a ton of sense. I mean, how how does that, tra- yeah, like how do you even start there as far as transportation is concerned? That's right now. Who are your customers now? It's just namely uh, apparel. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, apparel always makes the most sense in the return space because you're averaging anywhere from 18 to 35% return rate. Right, so. Right. Um, it, it's probably generating the most returns, uh, apparel, footwear, and accessories. Um, it's, it's generating the most returns of all the verticals. For sure. Interesting. Um, Caitlin, anything we missed that we that we forgot to ask? No, I think we, we covered it pretty good, Brian. Excellent. All right, well, Jess and Zach, appreciate having you both on. I think I think this was great. And, and you know, Jess, your insight on this, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and kind of the trials and tribulations of it as to me is always fascinating how you, you know, when an entrepreneur like yourself identifies an area and, and just how, how it evolves from there is, is, is always very interesting. And I know, you know, when, when you get this thing successfully out there into the world, um, people will look back and say, eh, it was, it was easy for Jess and we all know it's not. <laughs> not at but, all. No, but you know what? It'll, it, it'll be worth it. I think, I think what you're doing here is, is fantastic, uh, you know, in, in, in a way that could be transformative to the returns industry. So congrats on getting this thing up and running. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, everybody. 
Thank you very much. Caitlin, take us out. Sure. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Zach. Uh, thank you, all of our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.